Eamon. Hey, Ruth. What's up? Uh, not too much. Just thinking about Reply Guys. Oh, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm So, do you know what a Reply Guy is? If you're a woman with any kind of following on the internet, chances are you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is something that virtually every female writer I work with at Slate is familiar with, like my colleague Ingu. Basically, uh, a woman being on Twitter saying stuff, and then essentially guys coming over and saying, like, actually, you're wrong. Or Shannon. They're just kind of there. They show up <laughs> and they say something and it's just like a little like, hi, I exist. I have like a little opinion about this. <laughs> or Ruth. I generally think of them as men who I don't follow back, but who are like in my mentions a lot. Just sort of trying to like get in on the conversation without necessarily having a ton to add. Uh, I know that you sent Cameron this link to this uh, Twitter user who's been in your mentions a lot. I'm looking through to see if you've <laughs> responded to any of them and it doesn't seem like I you've done once. So. Yeah, I don't uh, think so. But it goes back all the way to 2016. We're in 2019. This has been like <laughs> going on for a while. Yeah, it is, it's interesting. The obliviousness and the confidence is really something... Like a reply guy is like a gnat, right? Like they have a thing that they want to like put on you and you can either like shake it off or whatever. It's maybe like a harassment on the level of like a gnat or something where it's like, it is pretty annoying. It's annoying. Yeah. The reply guy is more like this little gnat buzzing around that's harmless, you know, stays around much longer, but is, is just not scary in that same way. They all use the word gnat, which is pretty amazing. I used to host a Slate web series about American Muslims and stereotypes, so I've had my share of angry Twitter mentions and commenters who believed they had a thing or two to teach me, an actual American Muslim. But I'm learning that reply guys are a totally unique breed. And to give you a sense of what I mean by that, you're going to hear from one guy who now admits he used to be one. I'm Eamon Ismail, and you're listening to Man Up. On this show every week, we tell honest stories about our lives and investigate where we get our ideas about what it means to be a man. So a few weeks ago, one of my producers showed me this Twitter account called Nine Reply Guys. It was started in July 2018 by two scientists. One is a neuroscientist and psychologist who goes by the name Shrew online, and the other is Scott Barolo, a biology professor and graduate program director at the University of Michigan Medical School. Did you ever catch yourself, maybe at one point, being a reply guy yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, And I have been called out on Twitter for, um, for mansplaining and for kind of I, I suppose for generally sticking my nose into a conversation where where I wasn't welcome. I, I'm a pretty privileged person in most situations that I find myself in, all situations that I find myself in. And I've never really been fully held accountable 
for what I do and what I say, to be honest, you know, because I'm a man. Lord knows I'm trying. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That was Shrew, who was in the same interview. On her Twitter profile, she uses the hashtag ScienceWitch. She and Scott worked together on studying the phenomenon that is Reply Guys. With one admittedly a bit of a Reply Guy and the other seasoned in dealing with them, together they created nine Reply Guys, which introduced a taxonomy of Reply Guys, separating them into nine categories with distinct characteristics. Pinned to the top of their account is a long Twitter thread explaining it all, with some very useful and funny GIFs. The thread is funny, sad, and in a few cases, a little scary. Not surprisingly, Reply Guys absolutely hate it. So the account was not something that we planned on starting. And even now, you know, a a year later from sort of starting the account and the thread of of Reply Guy, Reply Types, Mm -hmm. we can sort of tell when... uh, wave of uh, sexual harassment stories or people trying to share uh, stories of a of a bad environment are cropping up because they start to share the thread a lot. So it's a kind of bellwether of different groups of people discovering that reply guys are, are coming out and they come out in full force when people are trying to share stories of having been marginalized. So these guys aren't organized. It's not like a concerted no. effort. There's no base of reply guys all working together and deciding, okay, ready and now. Like that's not happening. What is, what is if happening? They, if they were, you think they'd come up with something new? <laughs> um, I'll let Scott talk for a while. I think you're you're right, Eamon. There's no um, there's no central base that is sending out orders, but uh, I think that. Men who are raised in a patriarchal society are trained in how to behave in certain ways, and we we model our behavior on other on other men. And uh, different people are trying to do different things. But um, one thing we're trying to do is feel comfortable and feel like we're good people. And I think that motivates a lot of bad behavior on the internet. What kinds of things do you end up mansplaining? If I feel that I have a piece of information that wasn't fully explained in a conversation to my uh, satisfaction, then I do have an urge to jump in and say, oh, by the way, you forgot this important fact or this one detail, even though it's not critical to what you're trying to say, which just then... Uh, converts the conversation from being about whatever it was about into being about how much I know. Um, it doesn't go quite so well for women when they do that. Yeah, um, I I can relate. This happened like literally three days ago. Uh, I was traveling with my wife and she wanted to go one way and I, and I saw a sign that said, oh, well, I think it, we actually should go this way. And I just started walking as if I was entitled to just decide where we were both going. And I ended up being wrong, and I felt stupid. And she was like, yeah, well, <laughs> see uh, see where, like, relying on your instincts got you. And I was like, yeah, well, you're kind of right. Yeah, we're kind of, ex- I think we're rewarded for doing things like that. You know, stepping in, even if we're not quite sure what we're talking about. <laughs> stepping in and saying, I know what to do. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's so, 
are you more careful now? Uh, what has coming to this realization uh, rewarded you with? I am more careful. When I want to say something, I do interrogate myself a little bit more now. Not always and not always successfully, but I do interrogate myself a little bit and say, why do you have the urge to say this right now? Is this just about you or are you really bringing something to the table? You know. Um, and most of the time I am, <laughs> as Shrew can tell you, most of the time I am not bringing something to the table. Um, and so, you know, more frequently now I will lay back and just let it go. Yeah, so Shrew, I imagine you've had to call out a reply guy here or there, maybe once or twice. <laughs> can you tell me that story? Can you describe maybe posting something uh, and then having replied to by one of these typical reply guys? Well, I've been thinking about this a little bit, and I realized that the persona of Shrew is itself a shield against reply guys that I employed, I think, with that long before, you know, starting that account years before I had even heard the term reply guys, I quite literally uh, have the identity of uh, using a, a word that means bitch, right? Mm. You know, in, uh, in not quite so many words, um, with a cute animal <laughs> avatar. But um, I have other Twitter accounts, and the one that I run uh, through my real life identity, I get uh, reply guide there all the time. I, I really, I so badly want yeah. you to just open up your Twitter real quick and just point us to one. Let's see. I muted somebody from earlier today uh, telling me that a thread that I'd posted as Shrew about the idea of competition as a, the primary motivation for why we do things in the world, you know, and that how toxic that can be. Uh, some, some A man uh, helpfully wanted to let us know that that's a false dichotomy and that fostering uh, collaborative homogeneity assumes a system with perfect knowledge to impart. Thank you, sir. Um, so it's, it, I, it, the kind of reply guys that I, that I get off of those kinds of threads are real eager to show me how smart they are and also that they thought of something that I didn't, which sure, I don't think of all sorts of things. Um, but uh, leading with false dichotomy is, uh, I don't care what you think. One thing I noticed about the Reply Guy Twitter account is that not all Reply Guys are kind of cut of the same cloth. There's there's a, a various array of different types of Reply Guys. Right. Uh, from, from the graphic <laughs> that I've seen, I'm going to let you guys explain it. But there are the first tier, the, the well-meaning Reply Guys. And then there's also the ones who are focused on the quote-unquote real problems. And then we have the final tier, the, the ones who don't mean well. Can you talk to me about where this graphic came from? It's kind of funny to me to see this kind of phenomena get categorized in this way. First, describe to me why this happened and also where it kind of came from. The, I guess the idea came from just the observation that 
women were mostly women were making on Twitter that we're seeing the same obnoxious responses over and over again every time we try to say something. And it could be a, a story of sexual harassment. It could, do, it could just be a woman expert on Twitter talking about something that she is an expert in and a guy chiming in and saying, no, you're wrong. But whatever it is, these things just seem to fall into a certain small number of stereotype behaviors. And they've been noticed by many other people before us, for sure. And some of them already had names um, and had for a long time, like mansplaining and gaslighting tone policing, those sorts of things have been talked about for a long time. Um, One of my favorite examples of this is, uh, can I say her name? Gail Simone. (laughs) She's uh, she's the author of a comic book, The Punisher. And she was being a little sarcastic on Twitter. She wrote, The Punisher would be a lot prettier if he smiled more. (laughs) And then like a fan came in, some random guy was like, "Mm, I don't know about that, but that doesn't really work (laughs) for his backstory. And actually he doesn't really smile. And she like sent him back. Actually, I'm an author for The Punisher. I know what I'm writing about. Exactly. That kind of feels like the perfect example. It is. And and, um, that's, that's one species of this kind of behavior. And there are a few that we noticed. And so our idea was to try to, um, bend them into a certain number of categories, we thought maybe that would be at least interesting and, and maybe even useful. Um, because one thing that almost all of these guys have in common is that they think they are master debaters and true original thought leaders. So they, the, the one thing they hate more than anything else is to be told that what they're doing is some uh, weak, tired tactic that's been used hundreds of thousands of times before. Right. It's true. They really, um, it, they really loathe it. It's the m- most effective way of addressing reply guy behavior that I've seen so far. There, that is, there's a lot of ways to address it, but they do not like to be told that their ideas are not original or, uh, or informative or important. This comes up when reply guys are not necessarily just guys so this this will come up in a lot of other contexts too but particularly uh when it's men replying to women that there's just an assumption of a of a lack of knowledge um that they're that they're there to to help solve it's really so we should be so much more grateful than we are and yet (laughs) uh we're not (laughs) so this is how it works There are nine types of reply guys separated into three categories. And the first category are the ones who mean well. First up, there's the life coach. The life coach is giving advice, but it's particularly advice for a person for what they should do to be better. Whatever you did, whether it was saying something, why didn't you ignore him? If it was ignoring him, why didn't you say something? Either way, it's your fault. You didn't do the right thing. And then there's the cookie master. Cookie master is someone who is centering themselves in the conversation, trying to make it about what a great ally they are, and hoping for praise and gratitude. And you may have heard of this one, the mansplainer. Uh, It's chiming in to make sure that uh, whoever you're talking to has the important background information that only you can provide, truly provide at this moment. In the next category are the reply guys who are focused on the real problems, whatever that means, starting with the tone police. Tone police is 
very often a tactic that people will switch to once they've been called on their behavior. So if you if you try to life coach somebody, they turn around and say, how dare you? Uh, you can respond by getting offended, clutching your pearls, and getting upset about the lack of civility. Then there's empathy. Empathy is uh, not a term that we made up. It came from uh, Kate Mann's book, Down Girl. And it's this idea that in a situation that our, our sympathy, our concern is for the man, the more empowered person in the situation. So thinking about, you know, what's going to happen to his career. He's got a bright future in front of him. And then there's something called the prestige. The prestige is a power play where the, uh, re- the reply guy will question the woman's credentials or try to cite a higher authority, kind of trying to big dog somebody into being silent. And in the last category are, in my opinion, the worst ones. These reply guys don't mean well at all. First up, there's the gaslighter. This is a classic one. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. It didn't probably didn't happen that way. And if it did happen that way, it probably didn't happen. Uh, it, it's not as, as not as concerning as you think it is. And then there's the sea lion. The sea lion is based on a webcomic by Wondermark where there's an obnoxious sea lion who is following, following a woman around and, and, and harassing her under the guise of just wanting a good, healthy, rigorous debate. So it's always asking more questions, always asking for more evidence, then disputing that evidence. And the only goal really is to keep the argument going and try to get uh, more attention from the person you're fighting with. And finally, the worst of the worst, the trolls, creeps, and fools. That's just when it stops being covert and starts being overt. You know, I'm no longer trying to hide the fact that I don't see you as a person. Yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> uh, with And that's sort of what people have thought, like the original reply guy meaning was sort of that kind of guy. But uh, all these other behaviors, it turns out, are just leading up to, like, you know, it's all part of a continuum leading into this eventual not even trying to hide at stage. See, that's what I thought was most surprising about this whole chart was I made that exact same assumption where, okay, the reply guy, this is a person who's only replying to women so that he can troll them and mess with them and distract them. Uh, So that's why I was so surprised to see that there's ones that actually mean well. Like, how could you be a reply guy that also has good intentions? How does that work? Intentions are a really tricky thing to talk about when we're analyzing somebody else's behavior. You don't know what's going on in their head. And um, I think based on how people react when they get called out for bad behavior on the internet, very often they think their intentions are very, very good. If uh, a man mansplains to a woman expert in her area of expertise and gets called out on it, he doesn't usually apologize for trying to derail the conversation or, or insert himself into a conversation he doesn't know anything about. He usually says, I was trying to help. Mm. Um, there are some trolls who are obviously just out to cause trouble, but I think most of these people think they're well-intentioned. Um, and one, well, actually, one interesting thing about Twitter is that there's a record of the conversation, so you can't just deny what you said. Um, That's true. Although some people do try. But it's written right there. And so you can't say, I didn't say that. 
So then when someone confronts you and says, well, why did you insert yourself into the conversation at that point and say that exact thing? You have a number of options. You can apologize. You can um, just put down the shovel and walk away. Um, that almost <laughs> never happens. Uh, you can really try to in interrogate your own motivations for why you did it. Or you can say, you know, you have a number of other options too. And those are basically, I think, those are mainly the reply guy categories. You can um, say, I was just trying to give you helpful advice, right? Even though that advice wasn't asked for. Um, you can say, I don't think this is really a, pro a, a gender problem. These kinds of things happen to men too, right? You can gaslight and try to minimize the situation. There are, you have a certain number of options. Um, now that you say that, I'm thinking back to all of the times that I might have been a reply guy. I mean, seeing it all laid out in categories has certainly gotten me feeling like it's a BuzzFeed quiz. And I'm like, ooh, which reply guy am I? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking back to one particular instance. It was at the peak of the Women's World Cup. And it was the knockout round had just started. The U.S. women's team is well-funded and well-fueled, and they've been playing forever, and they're playing a team that uh, that is nowhere near the same tier. And the score was ridiculous. Like, they they won by double digits, but every time they scored a goal, they'd still run up and down the field and celebrate and run and scream and, and go crazy. And it started this this kind of weird skewed debate where there were a lot of guys, particularly men sports commentators, going on their TV shows or online saying, you know, these girls are taking it too far. And I was kind of on that, 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 that side. <laughs> but then I was talking with, uh, with a friend of mine and she was like, yo, this is the World Cup. Like, they've been training their whole lives to get here, and you're going to tell them when to slow down or when to not celebrate? <laughs> yeah, I don't I, What category would I fit under in that, in that case? <laughs> That's a clear tone police to me. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Unseem it's unseemly to see a woman just demonstrate total dominance like that, right? It's an, an example of the sort of increased moral burden that is put on women, that women have to be better. Uh, they have to reflect more sportsmanship uh, than, uh, than we would accept from, like, from a man, it's like, okay, fine, they're being a dick. Uh, from a, but from a woman, like, oh, they can't, they can't. Fundamentally, I come from a, uh, I come from a, a scientific background where I believe in behavioral change. I believe in it. Um, it's, it's something I'm interested in as, as a as a scientist and as a woman on Twitter. <laughs> both of these things, both of these identities make me equally interested in believing that men can change this behavior. And so in that sense, having it all outlined has been a shield for people who are getting harassed and a, you know, uh, full frontal depiction of what men are doing for men. And in both cases, uh, it's been a, there's been a lot of wows that we've heard from women being like, oh my God, wow, it's all here. Or from, you know, other marginalized groups being like, oh, it's all here. I see, every, I see, recognize all of these. I don't have to take this seriously anymore. And from the men being like, oh, wow. Oh boy. Oh, geez. I've done a lot of this. And 
some reckoning there. And that not that that's an instantaneous process, but it's been super encouraging and just uh, more gratifying than I could have ever thought. Wow. I never would have thought that would have been possible. So say you're a guy and you realize you've crossed over into this territory online. Scott's done it. I know I have. As men, we can either build a wall, dig in, and try and defend what's left of our egos. Or we can do what Scott did and own it and use it to end bad habits that we've all been learning culturally our whole lives. When you put those two options next to each other, that ego thing just sounds so exhausting. Besides, hearing from Shrew has made me realize how much of her freaking neuroscientist brain space was needed to devote to this phenomenon just to keep her sanity as a woman online. That should be enough to make you think twice about the next time you instantly hit reply. Here at Man Up, we love getting emails and voicemails and we'd love to hear from you too. Got your own reply guy story? Or maybe you've caught yourself being one? Leave a message at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can email us at manup at slate.com. Let us know if you've got topics for future episodes too. If you like this episode, consider supporting the kid and leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you'd like to listen. But more importantly, we need you to subscribe. We've got new shows every week and I'd hate for you to miss it. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. Our producers are Danielle Hewitt and Cameron Drews. Our executive producers are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is editorial director of Slate Podcasts. And June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Man Up. Man Up.